0: Before I give us an encouragement from God's Word on that very topic of Christ being worthy and making for himself a kingdom of priests, which is you, and I'll get to that in a second, Uh, I want to bring up Nate Jones. um, Because we believe that every nation, tribe, and tongue will be uh, part of this cosmic redemption of Christ, we have a very robust missions program here. And Nate, come on up here, bro. Nate's going to Poland on Tuesday. Uh, Nate's been hard at work the last week with three of our mission partners, and he's going to see one of our fourth ones. And, and just to so to you know, uh, our our mission partners in Bel- Minsk, Belarus, have had to pull out of Minsk, Belarus for obvious geopolitical conflict reasons and persecution, and so they're all in Poland uh, as a safe haven. And Nate, our good brother, is going to give them a word of encouragement and greeting and training and counseling and love and feasting. And so, Nate's going by himself. And uh, we need to pray for Nate. He's going to a difficult part of the world by himself, but you're not going by yourself, bro. You got us with you. So, I wanted to pray for Nate. encourage you to pray for Nate and our brothers and sisters in Minsk, Belarus that are in Poland. So, uh, let's pray together. Father, I pray for my friend and brother Nate that you would pour out your grace on this trip. All that's in his heart to pour out to these folks, I pray that you would give him the grace to do that. To love, to serve, to laugh, to cry, to heal, to counsel, to encourage, to exhort, I pray you would do that. I pray for Taras and his family, I pray for Ben and his family, I pray for their team and Trinity Church, I pray that you would cause their hearts and ears to be open to our brother. Give him all he needs. pray for Nathan and the boys as they're here that they would rest in your protection, and assurance that you watch over, Nate, so that not even a hair of his head can fall from his head without you knowing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Okay, let's turn our attention to God's word now from Hebrews chapter 13. I'm gonna preach from chapter eight, but I wanna read seven, eight, and nine so that you can understand the verses coming in and the verses coming out and why this uh, powerful little verse uh, is anchored here. So let's read Hebrews 13, 7, 8, and 9. It's on page 1009 in your pew Bible if you want to turn there. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray one more time. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten our minds and our hearts to understand this and to live this these truths out. Let's pray. This is your word, Lord. The Spirit has written it down through the hands of men that we might be edified and challenged and encouraged. And this morning I pray that the backs and knees and hands and minds and souls of the saints here would be strengthened to understand that they are a kingdom of priests to our God and they reign on the earth. Give your word power now we pray in Jesus' name, amen. As Luke and Stephen mentioned, this is Reformation Sunday, where we celebrate on this day the catalytic event that uh, occurred when Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the door of of, um, of uh, the church there in Wittenberg, Castle Church in Wittenberg, Germany, and this uh, this gesture of Martin Luther's sparked or fanned into a flame a movement of protest uh, that the church was doing some things that were harmful to God, to his word, and to his people, and thus the Reformation came. And one of the tenets of the Reformation, the main tenet was justification by faith alone in Christ alone by grace, and we've talked about that. Another one of the main tenets was what is commonly called the priesthood of all believers, And what is meant by this, and you can see the title of the sermon, is that we have an eternal priestly presence, is there's a vertical dynamic to this, that there is only one mediator between God and man, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the great high priest. He alone gives you access to God. Not a church, not a man, not a confessional, not a Bible study, not a ministry, nothing. Christ alone. And then there was a horizontal component of that, that this great high priest who has purchased for himself a people from every nation and tribe. He intends to make you and I a priesthood of believers on the earth. And then, so we now are priests on the earth. And I don't know if you have ever thought of yourself that way. And I hope today to encourage you to start thinking that way or to think about it afresh. But the reformers always said, that we should always be reforming. So make no mistake, in 500 years from now, people will be looking back to this age and going, boy, they got a lot wrong, uh, and they need some reformation. Because God has chosen to put this treasure of his gospel in broken vessels like us. And so we will always need reforming. That's why in verse 7, the writer of Hebrews says it this way. Remember your leaders Those who spoke the word of God to you and considering the outcome of their life, imitate their faith. He doesn't say imitate their life, don't imitate their parenting, don't emulate their economics, don't emulate any practical thing. Imitate their faith because rest assured, there was plenty about Martin Luther and John Calvin and John Knox that weren't worth emulating. In fact, some things that were very heinous in their teachings and life, but their faith was anchored in Jesus Christ. They knew it wasn't about their righteousness. And so the writer of Hebrews tells us, remember their faith. Imitate their faith. And I find myself in a lot of conversations the last few years talking to people who are not rejecting Jesus Christ. They're rejecting some horrible caricature of him. They're, they're rejecting the applications that the believers have brought to the earth, and I want to elevate Jesus in your mind. If you're here today and you find yourself rejecting Christianity, perhaps you're not rejecting Jesus, you're rejecting a caricature of Jesus, and I hope this morning you'll see Jesus for who he is. Imitate their faith. What faith is that? Verse 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is nobody who could lay claim to that sort of eternal stability. Yesterday, today, and forever. And by doing this, Hebrews says in verse nine there, you'll keep yourselves from the strange and diverse teachings that rob you of grace. And that's what we're gonna talk about. So I'm just gonna spend time in verse eight. And we're gonna do yesterday, and then I'm gonna jump to forever, and then we'll finish with today. And so uh, let's, let's, get, let's get the tracking. What does it mean that Christ is the same Yesterday, The word absolutely can mean the day before today, right? But it can also mean any time in the past, not now. And that's obviously what he's talking about here. Yesterday, uh, Jesus Christ was the same. What does he mean? Well, the writer, of goes to, goes, the writer of Hebrew goes to great lengths to discuss the high priestly nature of Jesus Christ. Chapters 5 through 10 is all about his role as the high priest. So let's just go there for how Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. I think I told you a couple weeks ago when I was on my sabbatical, I just listened to the Bible being read to me over Audible. I really encourage you to do that. I got a little Audible thing, with the earphones in and listened to the Bible read two full times in the three months that I was on my rest. It was great. But one of the things that was real striking, and any of you who have tried to read the Bible through know that you, you, know, you, you get to the <laughs> the mire and muck of, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy and it's you just gotta start, man all these details about the temple and the sacrifices and the priests it's like oh why is all this stuff so full of detail and minutia and then I started thinking about the priesthood of all believers and this, this topic and I thought well this is it take, let's take the temple for example you go, you go read about what God intended the temple, to, how the temple was to be structured and made The temple was supposed to be the on earth uh, visual of the presence of God. Where God would dwell and the priests would go and offer sacrifices to God. Uh, And so the temple was said to have to be, you know, the corners had to be like this. The stones had to be like this. The curtain rods had to be like that. The chandeliers had to be turned this way. The blah, blah. There's all these details like, oh my goodness. Why are so many details about this, this building? Well, think about it. If God who dwells in an unapproachable light in the heavens, cannot be hemmed in by anything made by human hands, was going to try to tell you, well, if you want to build me a temple uh, that would represent my greatness and holiness, try this. The point, man, you can't encapsulate in a structure the holiness and righteousness of God. Any structure at that moment fails. But boy, this was a good one. This was a very impressive structure. Uh, in fact, in, in the back room, in, in, the, in the bowels of this temple, was a room called the Holy of Holies. Nobody could go in there but the priest. And then in, in that room was the presence of God in the Ark of the Covenant. And we just read Aaron's two sons, Nadab and Abihu, did something vile in there and they dropped dead in the presence of God. That was in the Holy of Holies because this is God Almighty. Living on a, in, in a house made by hands sounds foolish. What about the priest? The priest had all these uh, these garments. They had this this placard made of the 12 jewels, very rare jewels that represented the 12 tribes of Israel. Their sash and their headdress, their staff, their, the way they had to stand and offer sacrifices, all this detail about why. Why? Because if we're gonna approach this God of glory and this man is supposed to bring me and you into this presence of him, he better look the part. He better be something sharp and dignified But of course he failed. I mean, we just read. Aaron had to actually put blood on him and sanctify himself before he could go into God's presence. Or take the sacrifices themselves. Bulls, goats, rams, lambs, pigeons. They had to be cut a certain way. They had to be laid a certain way on the altar. The blood would flow out of the altar down into the Kidron Valley. Uh, the, The fire had to be set a certain way. Why? Because if you think you're going to bring an offering to this holy God in some kind of trite way, be very careful. But these, blood and go- these the blood of goats and lambs were insufficient to, uh, to bring atonement fully for man to be with God. So what is the purpose of all this stuff? It has to be something greater than itself because they all failed. And that's exactly what Hebrews says. Let me, let me, let me give you an example. The temple. Jesus was on the earth. John 1 14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word dwelt in the Hebrew literally is tabernacled or templed. Okay, so wait a minute. This ornate building, now you're saying, is pictured in a man. Okay? So Jesus in Mark 13 is walking with his disciples through the, through the temple and they're, like, they're gawking at the building. Look at this, look at the rocks on this building, Jesus. Look at the structure, look at how incredible this is. You know what Jesus says? Not a rock, not a block of this building will remain. I'm gonna tear it down. Jesus is having a conversation with the Pharisees after he turns over the tables in the temple and they're like, who gives you this authority? He says, tear down this temple and in three days I'll raise it up again. They're like, what what are you, a madman? This temple took 50 years to build. Look at how great it is. And you're gonna build it up in three days? And John gives a little interpretive parenthesis. He was talking about the temple of his body. Friend, listen to me. What man tried to make so powerfully ornate, God gave them instruction to do that. God did in sending his son who was born in a manger born to a little 14-year-old girl in a little town called Nazareth, had nothing, nothing about him that was regal or attractive or exciting, but make no mistake, he was the full presence of God on earth. Then what about the sacrifices and the priesthood? On the cross, Jesus, this lamb of God, as John said, who takes away the sin of the world, was on a cross, and as he's dying, he says it. Is finished. What's finished? The work of s- salvation, the the, the 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 sacrifice for sin, the final atonement for sin was finished. Finished who? In a blood? In the blood of a goat and a lamb, a bull? No. In the Son of God, the Lamb of God on a cross. And as he dies and he takes his last breath, you remember what happened? The thresholds of the temple shook and what was torn? That veil that guarded the holy of holies was torn in two, symbolizing everything now that prevents you from approaching God has been torn down by the Lamb of God, the great high priest of God on the cross of Christ. You have access to God through Christ alone. This is what is meant by Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. All of that, the temple, the sacrifices, the priesthood pointed to him. One man who would be the salvation of the world. What about Jesus Christ forever? What our scriptures say is this Christ who died, friends, he did not pass out. He was not in a coma, he was dead. The wages of sin is death. Our savior died they laid him in a tomb, but because he is the Lord of life, he rose on the third day. The temple rose the third day. And he appeared to many of his disciples, they believed in him, and then it says that he ascended to the right hand of the throne of majesty, where he sits perpetually, interceding for us. He's sitting. There's no more sacrifices for for sins. The priest does not have to stand and offer sacrifices anymore. It's done. The sacrifice for sin is finished, and now the great high priest sits at the at the position of power over all authorities. And he will he will come again. And we just sang. He will come again, and he will come with people from every tribe, nation, and tongue and what will he do with them according to Revelation 5, according to this song, according to Revelation 1, Revelation 21? He will make for himself a kingdom of priests on the earth and they will reign. Who's the they? It's Kay. It's Rick. It's Pete. It's Robert. It's Will. It's Thomas. It's Amy. Are you kidding me? That sounds... Heretical, doesn't it? That God is gonna dwell eternally as a priest on the earth through not a temple made by hands, but through his people. Because Jesus said this, when I go away, I'm gonna send another. I'm gonna send my spirit, and he will be with you always. He'll be your comforter, he'll be your helper, he'll remind you of sin and righteousness. He will tell you everything that I've taught, and he will be in you. God gives his faithful followers his spirit. The presence of God with his people forever through the Holy Spirit. How will God reign forever? How will that the sun and all of its successive journeys run? How will the rule of God be manifest that way? Through the spirit-filled saints There are a kingdom of priests to our God. Friend, if you're a Christian, If you have trusted Christ for your salvation alone, you have the Holy Spirit in you. That leads us to today. Isaiah 61, 6. You will be called priests of the Lord. 1 Peter 2, 9. You are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Revelation 1, 6. He has made us to be a kingdom and priests to our God. Revelation 5, 10. You have made them a kingdom of priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. This is... You and me. And I know the knee-jerk reaction is, you don't know what I did last night. You don't know what I'm thinking right now. You don't know what I'm gonna do this afternoon. You're right, I don't. God does. And in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, Paul said this. We have this treasure of the gospel, the treasure of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God with us in earthen. Vessels, jars of clay. Why? So that the surpassing greatness could be about God and not about you. Jars of clay have cracks. Jars of clay are broken and fragile. Why? Because when you are broken, when you are fragile, when you are cracked, what seeps out of you? The Holy Spirit of God, the presence of God, the glory of God, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it's in earthen vessels. So if you feel frail and fragile, You're in good company because God intends to get glory from your life today. Friends, you are a kingdom of priest to our God. Wherever your foot goes, where you go to Walmart, when you go to lunch, when you go to work, when you discipline your children, when you go vote, when you go whatever you do, you have a power inside of you that rules the universe and it's God's Holy Spirit. What do we do with this? How do you apply this? Let me give you just three things I think the scriptures would say are characteristic of our high calling as priests. One is always intercession. Jesus, our great high priest, is interceding for us at the right hand. And you know what burns in the presence of God, according to Revelation 5, perpetually before the throne of God, is golden bowls of incense, which John tells us are the prayers of the saints. Brothers and sisters, you may not know your Bible very well. You may not have a whole lot of training. You may feel ill-equipped to be what God's called you to be, but you can pray. Pray when you lie down. Pray when you get up. Pray without ceasing. Why? Because you are a priest and priests intercede. Secondly, and I say this with great humility, and, 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 and I hope these would be kind in the way I say it, but the scripture would say stop sinning. Priests are holy, you have the Holy Spirit. Anything that is not of God's spirit, that is not set apart unto God, stop. Stop sinning. You are a holy people, a royal priesthood. Ask the Lord of the universe who died on the cross for all of your sins to wash you this day and every day, to cleanse you. Ask your friends, ask your spouse, ask your children for help friends we are a holy nation sin should have no part though it does right we're broken vessels that's why we trust jesus over and over but the call is still to be holy as i am holy says the lord and then lastly priests give themselves to others and this is what our great high priest did he came down out of heaven he left his riches He took on the frailty of mankind and he purchased for himself people. He is the good Samaritan who loved his neighbor. Jesus is that. And we, in following him as priests to our God, give ourselves to our neighbors. We open our heart, our life, our home, our resources. Why? Because what the world needs is the presence of God. Brothers and sisters, you have the presence of God in your heart. So wherever you go, you take God's presence with you. So pray, stop sinning, and give yourself to your neighbor. In closing, we're going to come to this table. And we say this every week the table of Jesus Christ is the direct and most immediate application to the preached word. Why? Because it serves as a perpetual sacrament, a perpetual reminder to us that what we just talked about can only happen through the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of the new covenant, his body given for you, his blood shared for you. And he said, I will not eat this meal with you until I come again. And on that day, please remember, we will eat around the table with him as kingdom of priests to our God. And so, until that day, we as jars of clay need to remember this eternal priestly presence that we have. So, we come every week to partake of this meal to remind ourselves of this. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. You indeed are worthy, O Lord, of all blessing and honor and glory, for you were slain, and you purchased men. And women from every nation and tribe, people and tongue, and you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, then we shall reign on the earth. What a truth. Lord, we'd collectively admit we, we don't feel this way. We don't live this way. And I just ask that this morning you would change our feelings to faith, that we would entrust ourselves afresh this morning to the Son of God, who is the exact representation of your nature who is the fullness of God in bodily form and we would believe that his sacrifice on the cross is absolutely sufficient to forgive us and to bring us into your presence and then Lord I pray that this meal would nurture us that we would leave here today reminded of our high calling to be a royal priesthood Lord bless our our meal now